Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. I want to talk about the country today because uh, that's something that, that is just a kind of a vivid memory for me growing up. We used to go and visit my aunt and uncle who lived out in what I called the country, and uh, I grew up in what I thought was the city. I come to learn that actually that's not really true because I grew up in the suburbs of Franklin, which is probably more rural than Saxonburg. All right, so you know, but but to me, I, I grew up in the city, and so we would go and we would visit my aunt and uncle in the country, and we had a, just a great time uh, growing up. My cousins and I growing up together. But one of the most vivid memories I have of growing up and, and going to the country is this that. When I would walk into their house, in their living room, they had a magazine, and the magazine was called, you'll never guess, Country, right? And some of you might read that magazine faithfully. I don't know if you do or not, but, but I used to love to pick up that magazine, open it up, and look at the pictures inside, because it was amazing to me that when I would, look, when I would see these pictures in here, and I would look around my aunt and uncle's house, it was like basically the same thing. It was amazing. In fact, I thought, how did they even get that picture in there? That's incredible. And, and sometimes I'd flip through and they would, you know, show these amazing gardens and give you tips on how to do things uh, to grow great and amazing pumpkins and stuff. And, and so my aunt and uncle always had an amazing garden and it. it was just such a really cool thing. But it didn't really hit me how much I loved Country Magazine until I learned there was a game inside of it. You see, in every Country Magazine, they had a little picture of a needle and the needle, it's, it's kind of to represent, you know, needle in a haystack, which is, I guess, what country folk do when they're bored. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe you can tell me later. <laughs> it seems awfully hard, but oh well. So they, put, they hit, hide this needle in the, in the pages of the, of the magazine, and it can be either black or white, and they hide it in, you know, text, or they'll hide it in a picture or a pattern or an advertisement. And so the, the goal is to find that needle. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's always a lot of fun. In fact, when I when I learned about this, I kind of became obsessed with it. So anytime we went there, I immediately went in, grabbed that country magazine. It's like, you know, hi, Tammy and my cousin, you know, hi, hi Susie. Yeah, I'm just going to go look at, for this needle in your magazine. I'm sure it was a little weird because it is. So, <clears throat> so I would look through and I would find that needle and I got to the point where I was getting pretty good at it. And then as my cousins grew up and I grew up, uh, we kind of grew apart. and We didn't take trips up there. My parents adopted seven kids. <laughs> it was crazy. So we didn't have a lot of time to actually go and visit them. So needless to say, for about 12 years, I didn't, you know, I never held a country magazine again. And uh, it, was a, it was a hard time for me, all right? <laughs> I didn't realize it until one day I met this beautiful girl. Her name was Samantha. And uh, I fell in love with her, and I started hanging out with her a lot. And then I went to her parents' home for the first time. And then when I went into her parents' home, I sat down in my father-in-law, who's now my father-in-law, his rocking chair, uh, recliner thing, sat down. I looked over, just kind of glanced, and you'll never guess. Country magazine on the end table. And I knew from that moment on, I could hear a voice inside of my head saying, you got to marry this girl. And then I realized that voice was my mother. My mom hooked us up, and if you want to know more about that, you can ask her. So, so it's a really, really cool thing. But I, I picked up that magazine, and I was like, yes, like blood pressure started to rise. My heart was starting to overflow with joy. I'm, it might have been an addiction I didn't know about. I don't know. But I was just looking through this thing, looking for that needle. And when I found it, I was like, yes, I completed something. I had some satisfaction. So I set it down, and I looked down, and there's a whole stack of country magazines. I think about 12 years' worth. 
And so I, I started going through them, and she was like, do you want to talk about anything? Nope. You know, and I'm doing this. I was like, if we're getting married, you better get used to it, right? You know? So, so, so I'm looking through this, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm finding all these needles, and I'm just, man, I'm just so excited about it. And, and uh, it was just a great thing. Now, I can't tell you why I loved looking for that needle. I mean, I know that they used it as a marketing technique, and it really works, like, to sell the magazine. But one thing it doesn't work for is having me read the articles. I have never read an article in Country Magazine. All right, I just look for that needle. When I'm done, I burn it, all right? But, but here's the thing. I don't know what it is, but when I find that, I just get a sense of satisfaction and completion in my life in that moment. But you know, for all of us in our lives, I think we approach our lives a little bit like I approached Country Magazine. That we know there's something more in this life, but it seems hidden from us. And we want to do everything we can to find it because we want deep down satisfaction. We want purpose. We want completion in our lives. And so we search and we search and we go from relationship to relationship thinking the answer is there. We pursue money or we pursue power. We might pursue the next high that we can get, whatever it is. But we, you know, we might experience happiness for a little bit, but, but it's fleeting and it's gone. And so we go back to the same places and looking, 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 but, but we're all looking for that one thing that's going to satisfy us. It seems like we were created for it. And you know, the interesting thing is when Jesus was walking the earth, the people that he was among, his people, the Israelites, they were also searching for something like that. In the Old Testament, which was the law and the prophets that they had, it spoke of a person called the Messiah. And the people of Israel were looking for the Messiah. For hundreds and hundreds of years, they had been looking for a Messiah. And a person would rise up, and they would think that's the Messiah. And then they would fade away, and nothing would come of it. And then another person would rise up, and they would fade away until Jesus came onto the scene. And what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a moment in time. This is a historical moment when Israel was the closest they have ever been to finding what would bring them complete satisfaction in their lives. They were a moment away from it. And we're going to see what happened in that moment, and we're going to see how then it applies to our lives. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to open it up to Luke chapter 19. <coughs> Excuse me. We're going to look uh, beginning in verse 28. Here's what it says. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking on ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. Now, this is amazing. We, we refer to this as the triumphal entry because Jesus is about to do something here that is extremely significant, particularly for the nation of Israel. But it's really significant for us, actually. But for the nation of Israel, remember, they've been looking for this Messiah. And Jesus then was coming into Jerusalem and he was about to announce his Messiahship. So he tells his disciples, go find this colt and, and I'm going to ride on this colt into the city of Jerusalem 
and, uh, and something new is going to happen. And, and so I'm sure his disciples recognized from the Old Testament that, that the Messiah was to ride into Jerusalem on a colt. They would have remembered that because they were very learned. They were really smart. They had studied the, the Old Testament scriptures, so they knew what was in there. And they would have recognized this moment. And I'm sure they were very excited and very focused on what Jesus was about to do. Because what he was about to do was two things. Declare his Messiahship and set a plan into motion that God had from the beginning or the foundations of the world for us. So let's look here then at verse 32. What happened? What, what did Jesus do? So they went out and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, Why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, The Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they, as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. So here's this group of people, these Israelites who had seen Jesus heal blind people, healed deaf people, raised the dead back to life. They had seen him do all of these amazing things. And now Jesus is riding on this colt. Now that's a significant thing because in Israel, when kings would come into towns, they would either ride on one of two animals. They would either ride on a colt, which symbolized peace, or they would ride on a horse, which symbolized war. And so Jesus, in this moment, not only is he declaring his messiahship, he is also declaring to the people that he is a king of peace and that he is coming to bring peace to his people. And so the people in this one moment saw Jesus for who he really was. And so they began to lay down their cloaks. And the gospel writers, Matthew and Mark, say they laid down palm branches or leafy branches down on the road. And they would do this. This was a traditional thing that they would do for royalty coming into a city. So the people were recognizing Jesus' messiahship, his kingship in this moment. But even further, they declared that he was the Messiah. Look what they, look what they said here in verse 38. They said, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. And what the people actually said there is Hosanna in the highest. That's why we sang Hosanna today. We're going to sing it again here at the end because it means save now. The people were looking for a Messiah who would save them, who would deliver them, who would provide for them, who would ultimately bring satisfaction bring purpose to their lives. That's what they were looking for. That's what they wanted. And in this moment, the people were declaring that. They were so happy. They were singing as they were walking. The Pharisees, however, they didn't buy it. They didn't believe it. In fact, this is what happened. But some of the Pharisees among them, the crowd, among the, the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. Now, this is an incredible thing because the Pharisees were so full of pride that that very thing that they were looking for, and listen, here's the thing, they would have known better than anybody else in Israel who the Messiah should have been because they knew the law, like the front of their hand, the back of their hand, their face, whatever, they knew it, but they were so blind by their pride, they were so stubborn and arrogant that they missed what was right in front of them. And Jesus said, 
If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. You know, that's so important because what Jesus was saying is, listen, you guys, you, you don't get it. Because I created you. And I also created these rocks. And so if you don't praise me, then they will. You see, in that point, I'm sure the Pharisees were infuriated. Right? Down deep in their heart, they weren't excited like I was excited for that needle. They were mad. And in that moment, probably that very statement, Jesus set into motion God's plan. Not just for Israel but for all of humanity. Because in that moment, the the Pharisees began to plot how they were going to kill Jesus. And less than six days later, Jesus would have been hanging on a cross, dying for our sins. But three days later, he would raise back to life, overcoming sin and death forever. It's amazing. Jesus declared his Messiahship for one time in all of history. Israel believed it for a moment until the Pharisees started to spread rumors and lies. And that's what the devil does. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. And that's exactly what the Pharisees did. They set up Jesus to die that coming Friday. So it was a a plan that God had that Jesus put into motion. But now we're going to focus on something that Jesus did as he approached the city. So he's riding in. He's declared his Messiahship. He's put into plan God's, God's, God's plan, put into motion God's plan. And then this happened. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. You see, Jesus, as he came into this city that meant so much to him and the people in it that meant so much to him, he began to weep, something inside hurt. He says, how I wish today that you all, you of all people would understand the way of way to peace. How, but now it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you in on from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Now, the amazing thing is, Jesus wasn't just speaking metaphorically there. In AD 70, the Romans came in and crushed Jerusalem because there was a lot of uprising happening there. And they came in and they destroyed the temple. They destroyed the city. They literally left no stone unturned. They killed over 600,000 Jews. They took thousands more captive. So what Jesus said here actually happened. But Jesus didn't want that to happen to them. Jesus longed for them to know the way of peace. But you see, Israel had a problem. The problem was they thought the Messiah was going to deliver them politically. In other words, they thought the Messiah was going to be their deliverer from the other nations around them and restore them as a a corporation, really, as a nation of people. But that wasn't God's plan at all. God's plan was to save not just the the nation of Israel, but to save all people from something that all people struggle with. And that one thing is sin. You see, sin has set us against God. Scripture tells us that the sin has made us enemies of God. 
And if we're an enemy of God, we're in a bad place. Because God has every right as our creator to cast us out, which he will do unless we trust and believe in Jesus. And that's what Jesus came here to do. He came here to live a life that we couldn't live. Jesus was the only one who ever lived a perfect, sinless life before the Lord. But Jesus took our place on the cross, which would happen only a few days later. And on the cross, he bore our sin. He took it on for us, for me, for you. And then he overcame sin and death three days later. later and now he offers us his life. And Jesus said something very, very important. He said that if we want to receive that life, if we want to have that life in our life, his life, then we have to simply believe in him. Now, most of us, we have searched and searched and searched, just like Israel, searched and searched and searched. But the problem is the same for us. We're searching for the wrong thing in the wrong place. When today, Jesus is standing right before us saying, how I wish you would know today the way to peace. Do you want peace in your life? Do you want joy in your life? If you do, then today is the day that we need to turn to Jesus and trust him. You see, our take-home point for today is this, that knowing and believing that Jesus is the king brings unexplainable peace and joy in our lives. Knowing and believing that Jesus is king brings unexplainable peace and joy in our lives. And here's why. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life. You know that life you've been searching for? You know that needle you've been searching for that you, you know, brings satisfaction, brings contentment, brings joy, brings peace? That thing you know exists, but you just can't wrap your arms around it. Jesus says, it's me. And today, you can wrap your arms around me. You can know the way to peace. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one will find anything else that they need except in me and through me. Because we were created to know God. And Jesus is how we know God, by believing him. Jesus said that God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. And it's a life that begins now, today, and carries on into eternity. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. So you have to know that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came here for you to live a life that you will never be able to live, and to die a death on the cross for you that you should have died, and that he now has overcome sin and death because God raised him back to life again in the resurrection. And you can have his life. You need to know that. But more than that, it needs to go from here to here. You need to believe it. You need to believe it. You see, for this one day, Israel believed in Jesus, except for the Pharisees. Israel believed for one day. And Jesus is standing here today saying, listen, that, that needle that you're searching for, that, that high that you're longing for, whatever, you're not going to be satisfied with those things. Stop looking in the same places. You know, that's the interesting thing about, about this magazine right here. I actually have a copy of it. Uh, I, ke I keep one in my back pocket everywhere I go. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. This magazine, I learned something really important. A lot of times, 
the needle that I can't find, which actually this is one of them. I cannot find the needle in this magazine. I don't know where it is. Hang on a minute while I do this. Just, just kidding. Oftentimes, the one that I can't find is right in front of my face. But do you know, I look, I've learned to look for patterns and pictures and go, well, that's a dark place. They might, they might put it right here along this board because they have in the past. But oftentimes, it's not there. But then one day, I'll just open it up and be like, there it is. I thought it'd be awesome if it was here. Then I could say, hey, it is right there. It's on that cactus. But it hasn't happened in two days, okay? So, so here's the point. Quit going back to the old stuff that you're searching for that might have made you happy for a little bit of time and come to Jesus today. He's right in front of you. He's saying that he wants you to know the way to peace. He wants you to know him. He wants you to trust him and to believe in him and to receive the life that he has come to offer. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes in this moment. In this very intimate moment between you and the Lord, Maybe today is the very first time you're hearing this message that God actually loves you. He doesn't want any, he doesn't doesn't exist to harm you. He doesn't exist to judge you. He exists to make your life whole because he created you. He created you to know him. So today, if you need to, for the first time, trust him as your Lord and Savior. In this moment, all you have to do is just tell him, Jesus, I believe in you. I accept you. I know that you have forgiven me for my sins, and now I want to live for you. That's all you have to do in this moment. But for others of you, maybe you've been following Jesus for quite some time, but you've kind of lost that satisfaction, that completion. And you've been looking in different places that you know it's not there. Today, I want you to, I want you to just surrender that to Jesus. Would you surrender it to him? Would you just tell him, Jesus, I've been looking here and I'm so sorry. I know that it's you that I need. Would you fill me up in this moment? So right now in the quietness of this time, would you just give him what you need to give him today? Heavenly Father, I thank you for all of the amazing things that you have done for us. But most of all, God, I thank you for the most amazing thing, Jesus. I thank you that he stands before us today and he declares that you love us, that you forgive us, that you are our king. And that in our lives, we can have the satisfaction, the joy the completion we were meant to have when we simply trust in you. And so, God, for those who have decided to follow you for the first time today, I pray that they would just seek you every single day, that they would get on their face before you, that they would trust you in every decision. And, God, for the rest of us, my prayer is the same, that we would seek you with everything that we are, that we get on our face, we get on our knees, that we would just come before you asking, God, would you just 
show us, would you lead us, would you give us that peace, that life that we are meant to have that comes as we live in obedience to you? Would you teach us that as we trust you today more than we have before? God, we love you so much. We thank you for Jesus. And today we pray that you'll lead us as we go from this place. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) I want to share with you the commitment for today. It says, I will live in the peace and joy that comes from knowing and believing that Jesus is the king of my life today and every day this week. One brief thing I want to say about that is this, that living in peace and joy in Jesus is a choice. You have to wake up every day and say, all right, I feel like garbage. Like I felt like garbage yesterday. I really did. In fact, I had ginger ale up here last night because I wasn't sure. Well, I won't go into it, okay? (laughs) I might have needed it, had to dump it out. I don't know. But anyway, so I felt like garbage yesterday, but, but I chose to walk in the peace and joy of Jesus. And so all of us need to do the same thing. And we're not going to do it right all the time. We're not. We're not. But God's grace is amazing, and Jesus will walk with us. So as you go out today, would you partner with Jesus? Would you be with him every day and say yes to him every day and live in that peace and joy? Because when you do that, when you walk in obedience to him, he will impart it to you. It's amazing. God bless you. Thank you so much.